Hi, this is Suparna Goswami, Associate Editor with Information Security Media Group. I have the pleasure of speaking with Abhi Dadum, Group Chief Information Security Officer and Group Head of Privacy at Axieta. He will speak about how he balances the dual role of privacy as well as that of security officer and he will share some of the best practices. Welcome Abit to the ISMG discussion. Hi, good, good day. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you for having me. So, Abid, your firm basically has different arms, right? One arm is concentrating on telecommunication. The other one is around payment wallets. And the third one is around infrastructure. So, you are the group CISO heading security across all these arms. Now, these are different industries. How do you manage to take into account multiple regulatory bodies and come out with security policies for these very different or distinct businesses? Oh, thanks. I think there has been something that I have, when we started on this journey, I have looked at it and make sure that whatever we come up from a group, it needs to be reflective of very three distinct lines of businesses, uh, as you've mentioned out. What we did is we started the journey first understanding what is common baseline, irrelevant of which businesses you are operating within. And we came up with what we call minimum baseline security standards, MBSS. And these MBSS were applicable across all the body, all the three lines of businesses. Thereafter, we adopted a, a framework and uh, we adopted NISD, the NIST maturity framework. And that framework also cuts across any verticals or any lines of businesses we operate. And whether you're in finance, whether you're in telco, or whether you're in telco, you can still apply the framework. So we came up with a universal framework. And what differed from one business to another business is the level of maturity that you may be or what you may be aiming for, but the framework still is sound and it's applicable. So that was a second element of it. And depending all of that was obviously a group policies and standards that, that defined the way we would govern security and privacy as we roll out within the three lines of businesses itself. And for to ensure that all of this works in a harmony, we have aligned it with our enterprise risk management processes to ask for an exceptions where there is deviations and obviously follow the due governance where you would report into a steering committee or go to the board and report to the board itself, which all these three lines of businesses ultimately roll up to. So I think that's really how we have started on the journey and that's how we've managed to handle the multiple different lines of businesses, yet keep some things that are common across all these three businesses. Correct. So you mentioned that, you know, different industries obviously have a different maturity level when it comes to security practices. Now, the financial industry across the globe is considered to be far ahead of other industries when it comes to adopting technology for security. Do you carry forward the security best practices from the financial industry, in your case of payment, the wallets, to other arms like the telecommunication or the inf or infrastructure? And if yes, what are some of the challenges one can expect? Yeah, so I think the framework we adopted, as I mentioned, the NIST, the NIST framework is universal in nature and it cuts across any type of business, whether you're in finance or whether you're in FMCG, the framework is adopted. So we use that to start off. And I think that gave us a good, not only this internal benchmarking, but it also allowed us to benchmark how are we in relation to other either financial services or payment industry or even telecommunications and infrastructure companies. So that's number one. If you are asking around oh, what are some of the challenges that you can expect, of course, the finance business or the the wallet business is very different. Even it's a digital, even the way it operates is very much sort of the modern and agile way versus your traditional telecommunications company and more so 
where it's physical tower company itself. So I think one is the, the issue of speed and agility. And I think the banking faces similar where you have the digital arm that needs to go to market a lot more faster than your core, core banking, which is traditionally seen as a much more slower practice or slower business that's going in. So I think if, if, I, if I sort of have one thing that I think you have challenge on is the speed and go to market. One needs to be very fast, yet other one, the changes are made a lot more in a, in a more thoughtful manner than it would have been, I think, in agile business. Sure, you said that you have adopted probably the NIST framework, but then mm-hmm. I'm sure there are challenges. Being the head, you are directing the people under you to you know act in a particular way, but then they are from different industries. They are tuned to a different way of working. So, so what will be your you know challenges that you have faced? Something that you can share. Yeah, so I think if you're speaking about specific things that we've seen, it's number one is the adoption of technology. So let me be more specific what I mean by that. If you look at the digital businesses, they are more cloud ready and the adoption of cloud services is a lot more quicker and utilization is a lot more higher than your traditional businesses who still have to get the applications cloud ready. So you have almost a hybrid or dichotomy where two separate businesses almost, but it's the same organization, one very cloud forward while the other one is less cloud progressive. So how do you make sure that you have the right balance and you're supporting the cloud ready businesses yet at the same time you are allocating resources to the businesses that are still slowly moving towards the cloud journey? That's one. The second one to be also, it's the, the way in which the development houses are set up. So one would be very much a traditional waterfall model that's still evolving to agile, whilst the latter is really a lot more into agile and DevOps type of operations. So now your security has to evolve from pure old way of waterfall model support to DevSecOps and your tools, your processes, and the way you think and you organize your teams needs to be very different. But these two are running in parallel. So you always have to make sure that you have, because you can't over-govern the agile DevSecOps, it slows down the developers and that creates a lot of frustration, yet you you cannot not govern it itself. So how do you make sure that you have the right healthy balance? And the third part obviously is the, the people itself, because the type of people we're putting in our digital businesses are very different mindset to your traditional businesses. So how do you recruit? How do you make sure that you have right skill set? How do you ensure that you can retain those people that can almost operate in bimodal way across different uh, businesses that they need to support. So I think those are kind of things that if any CISO is going through a journey, I think some of the things that need to think about in a technology adoption side, in the practices, like whether it's secure software development or DevSecOps, or whether it's in even a program management, the way it's been done. And then thirdly, internally, are you set up properly? Do you have the right people that can support the organization on the digitization journey? And obviously managing the traditional business at the same time. Sure. Now, you also head the privacy function across all businesses, right? So now security and privacy are usually at the loggerhead, though the core is this, the same, like it's uh, protecting the data, but then security and privacy are usually considered to be at the loggerhead. So how do you maintain a balance between the two? For me, I don't see it as a loggerhead, to be honest. I see it as a supplementary, and I think you can have security without privacy, but you can't have privacy without security. So I think that's really fundamentally important to digest because you know the security teams can still go on and do security, but can you share with me any program that you can say you are privacy advanced or privacy conscious organization 
but you got no security arm because security arm is a delivery arm of the privacy. Now, of course, privacy is a lot more broader when you think about things like right to be forgotten, consent, explicit and implicit consent on what you can and cannot do with customer data. I don't think that touches onto the security arm of things, but you know, how do you manage, how do you store, how do you transfer data securely? All of that is a delivery arm of the security. So I would see is a complementary rather than at a longer heads where these two functions uh, need to work very closely if you're going to see secure privacy by design sort of embedded into the way the organization rolls out privacy. Sure, Abid, I understand your point of view, but then there are also situations where from, if you think from a security practitioner's point of view, there are certain technologies which are extremely useful, say a facial recognition or biometrics. But these technologies from a privacy point of view can raise objection. People might say that why is that my biometrics is getting stored or why is that a particular company is using facial, facial recognition, it's invading privacy. So in such situations, how do you maintain that balance? I think you're right in saying that. However, let's let's use the example that you shared around using biometrics, uh, where maybe security is asking to use biometrics. The issue is not so much about being a loggerhead. It's as a security. I mean, if you're a good privacy practitioner, uh, what you would say is in our security or privacy policies, we must make sure that we explicitly communicate, let's say if this is for staff, that we will be moving towards biometric authentication or biometric security. And for that, your data will be collected and it will be stored and used in a manner. So it's more around what you do with the data when you collect it and about explicit consent, or at least the people know what you're going to do with it. I think that is that is the where the issues come in. And as I said, that even security itself, working closely with privacy can find the right ways to do it. Because if the let's say you as an employee given consent and you can explain why you're doing what you're doing, then I don't think there's an issue. So I'm not saying that there will never be a, a use case or a situation where there will not be a difference in opinion, but I honestly think then it becomes a business decision and a more greater policy uh, making decision from the top management as to what is our view on how we how we roll out certain technology or what type of data we collect. And then the security arm would be a supporting execution arm to it. Also, Abid, just to understand, you know, I'm sure you would have probably in some of the cases, sometimes you have could have faced some tough situations where, you you know, you had a tough time to balance between the two, maintain a balance between these uh, these two, privacy and security. How did you handle the situation and what will be your advice to your fellow security heads? I mean, generally the tough situations comes in not so much between security and privacy, but certain elements of how maybe certain functions of the business wants to manage customer data or internal data and you know sometimes the security controls could be in a certain way and then privacy controls could be looking at it in a different perspective so you know hypothetically let's say if you've got data analytics thing or some some team that does big data or something of that sort the function itself role is to collect all the data make it clean uh, do analytics on it and make sure that the outcome of that data is something useful that an organization can use well where the conflict might come in is if that data is collected and the output of data might change the meaning or may also put somebody in a spotlight or directly then comes to a point where decision making on an individual could be questioned from its original intent in which you have collected the data for 
Then there was a discussion around, okay, what do you do? Can you really do what you wanted to do? And again, that's where at Plexiada, we are on a journey of making sure we are clear in terms of our privacy direction. What is our policy in terms of how to handle some of those situations? Uh, what's our principles in which we deal with internal data, external data, and how do we handle when there is ambiguity? There's a governance process that you put forward so that these kind of situations are clearly defined. And I think between security and privacy, I'm lucky in a sense that I manage both. So, you know, it's very, for me, it's sort of not conflicting, but it's around some decision making, which, in, you know, I've been guided by the right governance structures that we put forward. Great, Abhi. Thanks a lot for sharing how you balance the dual role of privacy as well as that of security. Thank you very much and appreciate you uh, taking time out to speak with me. Thank you. You were listening to Abid Adam for ISM Genesha. This is Suparna Goswami. Thank you for listening.